We'll wait a minute while they finish passing out the outlines. I know y'all want to take notes. Something to draw on, color on. Need to pass out cranes with them. I've got this article that I'll read to you real quick. It's out of the unpublished word, and it's talking about Bibles, the English Bible, and it gives a brief history about where our Bibles come from or Bible came from and whatnot. And it's got down here, and I thought this was very interesting. It's the Great Bible, published in 1539, was a reversion of Matthew's Bible. Now we go back then we could explain all that, but that's not where I want to get to. People called the Great Bible, the people called it the Great Bible because it was very large. The large Bible was the first. The Great Bible was the first Bible approved by the King of England. He issued a royal decree saying that the clergy should place Bibles in, in churches so the people could read them. Now, this is the interesting part. This provided pr proved to be an annoyance to preachers because so eager were the people to read the Bible that they would often have someone read it aloud during the preaching preacher's sermon. The Great Bible stirred such a great interest in that the clergy had to chain it to the pulpit so people wouldn't steal it. If we'd be like that today, if we had that interest in our book today as people did back then, that's, that's amazing. That the preachers couldn't preach because people were reading it, and then they had to chain it down so people wouldn't steal it. How valuable it would be. It is if we'd use it. All right, let's have a word of prayer and we'll get started this morning. Uh, Brother Bob, would you pray for us, please? Amen. Turn over the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. We're going to read one verse there like we, like we have been doing, and then we're going to get over in the book of Genesis. Hebrews, chapter 11. Let me pass out a couple of scriptures that I need read today. Uh, Brother Bob, if you'll turn to Genesis, chapter 50, verses 21 through 26. Brother Ken Beeman, if you'll turn to Genesis 15, 13 through 16. And uh, Brother Waters, if you'll turn to Exodus 13, 19, please. I appreciate that. Over in Hebrews chapter 11, we, we've been going through these uh, men of faith. And, and I made a statement last week about how these last three uh, were, were all at their death whenever this was written about them. And how important it was, and there's a lot of things in it that I think if we just read it, we don't realize it. It says, and they died, and they died, and they died. But it was at their death that this was written, and it's so important of how we die. The Lord brings us again to a scene of, of Isaac, where he died, Jacob, when he died, and Joseph, when he died. For the children of God, this is a moment that we behold the Lord's face. And I think it's so important that it's, it's how we live, but it's, it's how we die. And God really brings that to our, our attention in these three great men of God. It sums up the entire life of a great man of God. When he died, he made mention of him 
uh, departing and, and, and the children of Israel departing and, and what to do with his bones and how important that was. So let's read verse 22. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel, important statement, and gave commandment concerning his bones. Joseph made two great statements here. He says, when you leave Egypt, I want you to take my bones with me, with you. He says, you're going to leave Egypt. Now, Joseph, he was about 17, 18, somewhere in that realm when they sold him into slavery. Uh, his brother sold him. He lived to be 110 years old. That means he lived about 93 years in slavery. 93 years he lived in a different land. 93 years he didn't have father, mother, somebody telling him about all the promises that were given. He was told from time he could remember, till he would say, we'll say 17, was 17, that's all he knew about it. But in that length of time, it made such an impact on his life that he never, ever forgot the promises of God. He didn't have a church to go to. He didn't have a word of God to read. He had God with him, and that was it. He didn't have anybody else to back up what he was thinking and where he was going. All he knew, he was in Egypt, and he knew what God had said and what was passed down from Abraham to Isaac, all the way down to where he was. That's all he knew as a 17-year-old boy. He remembered the dreams he had. He remembered all that. But he did not have anybody else telling him. Now, you figure that out. 93 years, if you got saved at 17, you lived to be 110, those 93 years in there, and you didn't have your Bible, and you didn't have anybody preaching to you, how much would you remember? If you were raised in a Christian home, brought up in a Christian home, we'll say you even went to a Christian school, and then from then on, you had nothing. That was it. What kind of Christian life would you have? How strong of a Christian would you have been? How much would you have retained of the promises that God's given? That's what he had. They're having fun back there. I don't know what you're doing, but we ought to go back and find out. They, they, so here he is. The truth placed into his heart as a child served him all through life. Now you think about that as we deal with bus kids, church kids, whatever. These little kids, the truth that's placed in their heart as a child what a difference can it make in their life? And we look at it and we say, well, they're only 7, 8, 9, 10, 12 years old. That's what he was. And look what it, how it, it, it was stained him and held him and made him go forward in his Christian life. That truth, as a child, that his dad told him, as the dreams told him, this is what was going to happen. It was all laid out, and that's where it was at. Would it sustain you? Would it hold you? Hang on a minute. You got it? Okay. Somebody's having way too much fun in church. I'm telling you that right now. We're not having it, and I don't want them to have it. 
I don't want them to have it. They shouldn't be laughing that much in church. That's wrong. That's scripturally wrong. We'll find it somewhere, I'm sure. Turn over to Genesis chapter 50. We've got to go back to Genesis and look at this life. And like I said before, it's, it's not his whole life. It just takes a capsule of it. And it doesn't go through all back through all the things that happened to Joseph and all that. This is talking about his faith. God's, all of God's children are in a strange land. We've got to remember that. The, the writer of the song says, uh, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. So many times we get so connected to this world that we forget about the passing through. And that's the way Joseph looked at it. Joseph looked at it and he says, I'm not here to... Man, did it get quiet. <laughs> Killed them all. But, but he says, I'm just passing through. Egypt's not my home. I'm looking for some place else to dwell. And he says, whenever you leave here, take me with you. I want to go. Don't leave me here. Now we look at that and we say, well, okay, that wasn't a short period of, it was a short period of time whenever they left. No, it was 200 more years before his bones was ever taken out of Egypt. 200 more years passed before Joseph's bones were removed from Egypt, taken on a journey which went 40 years through the wilderness, plus all the battles over in Canaan, before he was ever buried. But he knew what God promised. He knew the promise of God. He knew what was going on. He believed God. He trusted God. Do we trust him? Do we put all our faith in him? Hang on a minute, the wind blew my page. Do we trust him? Do we believe in him? Do we, do we, do we really, really believe all the things that God tells us and what he's doing with us. Genesis chapter 50 and verses 15 through 17 says, And when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, all right, Joseph's dad died, okay, dead. They're in, they're in Egypt. He's taken care of them. He's fed them. He's put them up. He's done all that. Now his dad's dead. And they said, now this is his brothers talking. These are the same ones that sold him into slavery. Joseph will pre-adventure hate us and will certainly require us to all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, All right, now they're saying, God, we're going to send this guy in and tell him that this is what God said. You, Dad said, You take care of us. So shall he say unto Joseph, Forgive. Now, the father didn't say that. They're telling this messenger to tell him that. I pray thee now the trespasses of thy brother and their sins, for they they did unto the evil. And now we pray thee, forgive, trust, forgive the trespasses of the servants of God, thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him that. That little saying there, Joseph wept. That's a, such a tremendous saying. Would you forgive? Put yourself in Joseph's spot. Put yourself in the position he was in, second under Pharaoh, could have commanded all of them to be put to death. No one would have questioned him. Nobody. He is it. He's got it all. 
He's got all the wealth. He's got all the power. He's got everything. And here's his brother, sold him into slavery, went through slavery, went to the thing with Potiphar's wife, went to prison, went through all that, went through the drink, all that. And now he's set up in this position. His brothers come to him and we don't we all know the story about what happened. Now here his dad dies and his brothers are afraid that he's going to kill him for all the evil. The only reason he hasn't killed him yet is because dad's alive and he doesn't want dad to see it. Dad's dead. So his brothers are worried. And it says that they sent the messenger and the message was, dad said for you to take care of us and don't harm us. Joseph could have said, I don't care. Now the cows have come home. Now it's going to end. But it didn't. It said he wept. He wept because they didn't believe that he forgave them. Put yourself in his place. What would you have done? What would you have done? Well, maybe the oldest one I might have, you know, cut off a few hands, a few fingers, you know, a couple of years, just so they could see what it was like. You know, maybe sold a couple of them into slavery. Maybe, you know, put them in prison for a while. Just something, a little bit of payback. We're that way. Let me pay you back. I had uh, some Mormons come to my house this last week. Mormon, uh, two young men, probably in their early 20s. And I went to the door, and, and uh, I saw right away, and they introduced themselves as Latter-day Saints. And, and uh, so my first thing was, let's argue, let's fight. So I got all bowed up in the back, and, and I started presenting what I believed, and they presented what they believed, and I told them how wrong they were, and I mean, the fight was on, and they didn't like it, and and after a few minutes, I said, well, I can see I'm not going to change your mind. You're not going to change my mind. You know, oh, no, let's talk. I said, no, we're not talking. So I thought, okay, I made my point. Good for me. And I closed the door, and I came back, and my wife said, who was that? And I told her, and she says, why would you argue with them for? I said, well, I didn't argue with them. I just shared my point very loudly and very plainly. And she says, oh, okay. And so... As the Holy Spirit started working on my heart, I started thinking of this scripture. Now, they're totally wrong. They're totally wrong in what they believe. But what I did was wrong. You know why? Because they left my house thinking, if that's Christianity, I don't want it. I could have been a lot pleasanter to them. I didn't beat them Godspeed. That's not what I'm saying. But my attitude could have came across a whole lot differently. And the Holy Spirit says, you were wrong. How are you ever going to win them with that kind of attitude? And I thought, there goes two boys that are going to hell. And they left my porch, and all they know is I was a raven maniac, and I was right. I thought, the scripture came to my mind and Joseph wept. Here he is, his brothers are there. He had a great testimony. They didn't see it, but he did. And I thought, here's those two boys left my porch. I had an opportunity to witness, but with the right heart and the right attitude, and I didn't do it. I did it because I wanted to prove they were wrong, and I was right. A lot of times we're that way.
and I was wrong. I was dead wrong. And the Holy Spirit talked to me about it. He forgave him. He totally forgave him, 100%. Let's read on down here a couple more verses. Let's read 18 through 20. And his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am in a place. I am in the place. Am I in the place of God? He's saying, you're, you're putting me up way too high. That's not me. That's not it's God's job, not my job. I'm just a man. But as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people. He said, look at what I've done. You meant it for bad. You sold me into slavery. You, you did all these things and, and turned my life totally upside down. I went through all of this, but God meant it for good. How many times in our lives does God bring things into our lives to change our lives and to help us and to make us a better Christian? And it might not be great things. We'll say, I'll use for an example, God gives me cancer. And I don't know I've got cancer, but I've got it in me and I don't know it. And my shoulders bother me. I was complaining to Brother Mike this morning about my shoulder bothering me. My shoulders bother me. And I keep working it and keep working it and it keeps hurting and keeps hurting and keeps hurting. And finally I say, I'm going to my cousins, my doctor, and say, Greg, my shoulder hurts. Look at it. I don't know why. It just hurts. I guess old age. And he starts examining my shoulder and he says, Chuck, you got cancer. You got cancer in that shoulder. The good thing is, we can operate on it and we can take it out. But if you'd have let it gone, what had ended up taking your arm off? Now, here it is cancer, bad thing. But because God let the pain get in there and me get smart enough, I went to the doctor. And so instead of losing my arm, I lost that tumor. See? But God worked it that way. God does things in our life all the time that we ignore, we say, I don't understand that, that's not right. If God really loved me, this wouldn't happen. If, that really, if that God really loved me, that wouldn't go on. God doesn't love me because this is wrong. No. Maybe it's God loving us and trying to teach us some things and show us some things and help us through some things and learn some things. That's what Joseph said. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. God brought me in to where I could be in the position I'm in to do what I'm doing now. God brought me here. Brother Bob, read for me 21 through 26, would you please? Okay, look at this. Great thing. Great, great, great. It's, just, it's, it's tremendous the way God writes this. Here he is. He's in Egypt. 
He's under Pharaoh. He's got everything. Did it go to his head? Did it? He had all the luxury. He had all the money. He had everything there was. He never served their gods. He didn't take up all their things that the, that the, that the uh, uh, Egyptians did. He kept himself to God. Here he is, 17 years old, put in all this mess, lives to be 110, a grown man, he's sitting there, and he's looking out, and he's looking at his brothers, and he says, I'm just like you. The gods of Egypt didn't affect him. The things that the Egyptians did didn't affect him. How did he keep himself that way? He kept himself that way because of the promises he remembered from his dad. Let me ask you, most of us in here are parents. A lot of us are grandparents. If it was your child and all he knew was what you taught him out of that book, where would he be? If your child left you, we'll say he's 17, 18, 19 years old, 20 years old, and he left you, right now, what he knows? He knows nothing else, never will hear of anything else, scripturally. Nothing. And he lives to be 110 years old. And he's influenced by everything wicked that there is. Would he live for Christ? What you taught him. Dad, you, mom, you. What you taught him. Where you walked with God. Where grandpa walked with God. Where great grandpa walked with God. He did. He did. He had it all. And he was never caught up in his heart by all of it. We get caught up in this world so quick. The cars, the money, the houses, the property, the toys. We get caught up in it. We want it. We like it. He's dying. It's a privilege for God's man to die right. We can die in faith, believing God, shouting His praises, resting on His promises, and knowing everything that God said is true. We're going to die. Those of us know the Lord will die in a strange land, or should be strange to us. Our home is in heaven. Joseph understood that very well. He's departing of Egypt. In verse 25 it says, And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry my bones from hence. Joseph knew he was dying. He said, don't leave me here. It's going to be a 200-year-more span before you leave, but don't leave me here. Take me with you. Read for me over in Genesis 15, 13 through 16, please. Yes. In the fourth generation, there shall come Jacob's land, and the iniquity of the land, 
400 years, Abraham was told that they would be in captivity. 200's passed. 200 more years. It was a promise. He knew the promise. He knew what was going on. If you were where he was, how many promises do you know? How many promises do you base your life on every day? How many promises do you go through your Christian life every day, trusting on, leaning on, and living on? Every day. That's what he had. He had the promises of God. That's what he had. He had a promise that you're not going to be here. Well, they're not going to be here. They're going to be here 400 years and they're going to be gone. He never saw it. But he had that promise. God gives us this book. Full of promises. Promises that we can live with, live with, live on, claim. Do we on our journey here on this earth? Joseph, without doubt, without doubt, told the people, take me with you. You're leaving here. Now, I'm sure over the time, people looked at it and said, yeah, right, uh-huh. Just like his coming, people say the same thing. I've heard that for years. He's coming back. He's coming back. Just as sure as the children of Israel left Egypt. He's coming back. It's a promise. At, at times we take our eyes off the promises of God and we begin to live as if this world holds everything for us. We are pilgrims and strangers passing through. God word, God's word guides us, assures us, sustains us, encourages us on this journey. This book, right here, if you're going to live for Christ, you must, must, must have this word in your life. You must. You cannot live this Christian life outside of this book. You cannot. It cannot happen. You can say, well, I'm a Christian. I didn't say you can't be a Christian. I said you can't live this life outside of this book. Do you know why? This book tells us everything that we're to do and everything that we're not to do. That's the reason we don't like reading it. That's the reason we don't like getting in it. And I've heard people say, Brother Chuck, I don't understand this book. I'm a Christian. I've been saved 10 years. And I read it and I do not understand it. You don't read it. You pick it up and you flip over to a verse and say, now the names of the children of Israel in Egypt were the Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, I don't understand this. Who were these guys? What were they? You've got to read it. You've got to study it. You've got to pray the Holy Spirit as he opens up your heart to it. And these promises all come alive to you. That you journey through this life as he did, as Joseph did, with the promise of God. God's promise to sustain us. The depositing of his bones... He said, don't leave me here. Take me with you. The faith jo Joseph spoke of, of his bones. Look at uh, uh, chapter 50 and, and verses 24 through 25. And Joseph said unto the brethren, I die. And God surely visit you and bring you out of the land unto, uh, unto a land which he swore to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Great verse here, 25. And he, and he took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God is surely... Visit, visit you, and ye shall carry my bones from hence. And he died, it says. I'm going to give this to you, and we've we'll, we got to quit. Read for me uh, 
over in Exodus 13, uh, chapter, uh, 13, 19, please. Who did I give that to? Read for me, Brother Waters. He said, you take my bones with you. He said, don't leave me here now. Get this. He said, don't leave me here. 200 years, somebody had to watch them bones. 200 years, whoever's watching them will say, Paul's watching them bones. Paul dies. Somebody else got to watch them bones. Brother Mike watches them bones for a while. Brother Mike dies. Brother Waters watches them bones for a while. Brother, Brother Waters dies. They had to watch them bones and be ready to carry those bones out of there. 200 years, a testimony that we're leaving this place. We're not going to be here. 200 years come, 200 years go. Moses leads the children of Israel out. Leads them out. He said, get them bones. They took that coffin with those bones in it, and they hauled it out of there. Testimony of what God was going to do. Was going to take them to the promised land. Forty years they wandered in the wilderness. Somebody had to watch them bones. Take care of them bones. Watch over them. Make sure. Pass down. Generation to generation to generation to generation. So it comes all the way down to Joshua. Joshua chapter 24. All the battles are all over with. Everything's done. What does Joshua do? He buries those bones. We've got something God's given us to pass down generation to generation to generation. This book. He's given it to us. All the promises in it. His word. The greatest thing that he left here for us. He's given it to us. To pass it down. To share it. To give it out. Are we doing it? That's our job, our generation. Did I tell my kids? Did I live it for my kids? Did I read it to my kids? Brother Chuck, my kids are all grown. How about your grandkids? Do they know the God of their grandpa and grandma? Do they know that God? My kids are grown. I don't have any kids. They don't know. Talk to them. Call them over. Talk to them. My kids are in their 30s. Talk to them. Share this book. Share it. That's what God gave it to us for. God said, here, I want you to take this, and I want you to carry it with you, and I want you to read it, and I want you to believe it, and I want you to trust it, and I want you to live it, and I want you to share it. Just as a testimony, as Joseph's bones were, to God leading them out to the promised land. This book is leading us to the promised land. This leads us to heaven. It tells us how we're getting there. It tells us how to go. It tells us who we need to take with us. It tells us how to prepare. It tells us how to live. It tells us what not to do. It tells us what to do. It tells us all the things that we need in this book. My question is, are you reading it? Are you trusting it? Are you passing it along? 
I taken care of the bones. We got to carry it. That's our job. It wasn't just because I don't want to be buried in Egypt. It was a testimony that he had that he wanted all of them to know that I believe God, whether I die here or I don't die here, you, my bones are going to be here. I'm not going to be here. But the testimony is God's going to take us out. The testimony is God's going to take us out. What are you doing with it? Do you really believe it? Do you really trust it? Are you basing everything on it? Are you sharing it? Joseph said, I'm dying. I'm not staying here. I'm leaving. I want you to take care of it. When I die, I hope that God lets me lay in the bed and look at my two boys and say, I'm dying. Take this. Carry it with you. Do what you're supposed to do. You know. And for me to say to my grandchildren, kids, grandpa's dying. Trust God. Believe his promises. Don't waver from this book. You know why? Because if I die and 200 years go by, I want my great, 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 great grandchildren to say, my dad told me about my grandpa. My great, great grandpa. And he believed this book. And he walked with God. And my grandpa did. And my other grandpa did. That's what I want. That's what Joseph said. Don't leave me here. Take me with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you.